chat around a subject called the value this morning, and uh, it's not a not a one of those downloads and things, you know. But I just want to share really much what what God has been doing in so many people's lives, and and what God is still doing in so many of our lives today. I think so often we we don't understand how God works. We also don't understand why God does what He does. Who knows what God does? We also found out over the last you know 20 months, 587 days. You know that God also doesn't want to pray the way we want to do, in the timing that we want to do. And so we've had to journey. Many of us have got through some stuff where people's houses have been broken into and cars have been broken into. And, you know, every one of us, I think, I don't think there's one person in this room this morning that hasn't lost a friend or family member um, to COVID. You know, I think it's been the, the hardest 20, what's it, 22, 21 months of a lot of our lives. And in the process, uh, I found that a lot of us have lost ourselves. You know, we've lost the calling of God upon our lives, we've lost our purpose and our plan, and, and we've almost got to a place where we're just moseying through life, just existing, because we don't understand at times why God is doing what He's doing. But I've got to say this one to you, that God is always in control. Amen. You know? Um, and, and that is one thing that we need to learn um, in the season that we're in. Because I believe that, you know, the Word of God simply says that, that in this life we're going to have trials and tribulations. The Word of God says that we're going to go through hardship. But you also got to understand something, that the very hardship that we go through are the very things that build character in our lives. Now, now we need to get this this morning because, you see, we've still got this mindset somewhere in church that whenever something goes wrong, God is punishing us. You know, we've still got this mindset in church life that God is this old man in the grave yet sitting on a cloud with a lightning bolt, a lightning bolt, well, hoping to smudge you or smash you, you know what I'm saying? And that's how we grew up often in, in church life and, and what we did because God was just this angry God that just wanted to take us out. You know, especially when you're a teenager, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But, but, but things have to change and things have evolved in, in many of our lives. But, you and I also need to come to the place in our life where we understand that trials and tribulations are good for you. And I need to say that. This is probably not the message you want to hear in church. You want to hear a JPPY message? Listen to me. You're not going to get it this morning. Trials and tribulations are good for you. And you know why I'm saying that? I say when you turn around and you look at your life, your most defining moments come out of trials and tribulations. Your most healthiest moments come out of trials and tribulations. Let me tell you something. Your marriage isn't great, you know, because, you know, you've got a great wife and a great husband. Let me tell you something. The biggest challenges have come in my marriage. And the biggest rewards have come in my marriage. Why? Because we've got to grow. We, we, we met each other when we were 18, 19 years old. You know, we're now in our 30s kind of thing. And you can't. <laughs> in a long time. But, but you know what? It's, I look back and how we had to grow, we had to mature. You know that the 21-year-old Kurt, you know, wouldn't be able to cope with what life was throwing at me right now. And the 25-year-old Chantal would never be able to cope with being a granny and all these kinds of things. My kids have become breeders like that. I don't know what's going on. You know? But this is what happened. And when we look back at life, especially for me, and I think a lot of guys, you know, when we speak to Andrew and all these guys, and they passed and Stephen and that, man, yes, we, we've gone through some crazy stuff. But I want to say to you, if you look back at your life, there was not one moment where God left you. It doesn't matter what I faced. It doesn't matter if I did church or not. It doesn't matter if I prayed or not. I want to say to you, when I look back at my life, I can see the hand of God in everything. 
even when what before the PC days before Christ, God never ever walked away from me. And you don't get it. And I'm thinking to the youngsters here, you don't get it until you start to get older on your life. Because as you get older, there seems to be a bit of wisdom that comes with us. And we start to see things differently, you know. We, we don't want to argue about everything. We want to try to understand everything. And as this weekend, you know, we read these scriptures so often. And, and we almost like just read them for the sake of reading them. But this week, I mean, the most famous week. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Because let me read it to you. But I want to, I want to focus on one little piece. And we all know this. You guys can probably uh, recycle off the heart. But it says this. The Lord is my shepherd. It's not maybe. It's not every now and again. You know, the word of God says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now you can understand that at this time that David wrote the song, they wrote it as a hymn. But more than that, David was being chased down by Saul. He was being chased down by Saul. Saul wanted his life. Saul wanted to take him out. I mean, he was hiding in a cave. He had a couple of men around him. They were fighting. They were on the run. They were on the run. He was about to be killed by King Saul. King Saul had an army of people looking for David. And in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of all what David was going through, David starts to explain God to us as from a shepherd's point of view. He explains to us that, you know what a shepherd is like? A shepherd's got to be there to take care of the sheep. A shepherd's got to make sure that they can dip a certain time of the year. That they're going to be shared a certain time of the year. The shepherd makes sure that the pastors are in on the right. That they're in the right camp. And that they're not overgrazing. There's a lot of things. But he says, he is my shepherd. And what David's saying is, no matter what happens, I know that God is going to take care of me. Oh, just two amens. Can I speak with this side? Just Peter, Peter, say it amen also. Okay. God is going to take care of me. David, in the midst of this chaos, says, you know what? It doesn't matter what goes on. I know that I have somebody that's going to make sure that I'm okay. And he carries on, he says this, and I shall not want. Now, I love that. With everyone says, we should put that we should not need. You see, the big difference between want and need. You see, need is what we desire. Want is what we just require for love. Yeah. And David says, in the season that I'm in, in what it is that I'm going through, I'm not going to want. Now that's a hard statement, because you don't understand, you know that you shall not want, if you don't understand the purpose and the plan of God for your life. That if you don't understand where you position in life, where you position in Christ Jesus, you're not going to want, need anything, but all you're going to want is the desires of God for your life. So he carries on and he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and we understand that. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And I love this week that talked this week. He says, Yay. I love that one. Yay. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This week I had to have this epiphany in my life that, that was this. That I would never enjoy the mountaintop until I saw the beauty of the valley. Amen. I will never enjoy the mountaintop until I see the beauty of the valley. You see the promise that when we ever win a valley, and David refers to the valley of the shadow of death, not death, the shadow of death. You know what does that mean? It's got no power, it's got no hope, it's merely a shadow, it's got no form. It's not the valley of death, it's not we're gonna die, it's, it's the valley of the shadow. And what is it? The enemy appears 
as if you're going to be destroyed in the valley. The enemy appears as if your marriage is not going to make it. The enemy, the shadow of your finances start to haunt you. The shadow of your relationship start to haunt you. And we take the shadow as a real thing. But the shadow is not a real thing. It's a shadow. It is cast from somebody. And you've got to understand that the enemy, he cannot get near you because all he can do is cast a shadow. But it cannot get to you. And as I, I was just this word, I thought, God, how important is it for us to get the season we in? You know, I, I, we've all walked through a season of the valley of the shadow of death for last night. You know, we've all had jobs and schools and everything going crazy. And I found myself becoming so consumed with the valley and the punishment of the valley and why God are you doing this and not enjoying what God is doing. Because I've discovered something in the last couple of months that in spite of where I'm situated, the beauty of God is still around me. You see, what you look at, what you, what you aim at is what you're normally going to get. And if we're going to walk downtrodden and, and look down the whole time, you know what? We're never going to see the fullness of God. We're never going to see the hand of God. We've walked through the incredible valley of the last few years of Dalma. And you know what? For a long time, I was despondent. For a long time, I was like, God, how's this? This COVID thing. You know, this is the pandemic. What is going on? Marriages are falling to pieces. People are getting divorced. It's madness. It's crazy. We've over 70 funerals since March 2020. 70 funerals. As I said to my staff the other day, I feel so bad because I do a funeral now and I'm almost numb. They're almost like, I haven't got emotion. Almost like, I, you know, I can't even relate to the fact that we did Liesl's brothers a funeral on Friday. And it was a real special service, by the way, really good. But, you know, I just, I stood up and I thought that, wow. I look at the family and they're emotional, they're crying. I'm like, Kurt, where are you in this thing? You know, if you become so accustomed to just seeing the negative side of stuff, but you also don't see the beauty in what God is doing. Because in this difficult season, let me tell you something, in this horrible season that we found ourselves, we forgot the fact that I was blessed with the most amazing granddaughter. That my daughter's pregnant after three years of trying everything supernatural she's been with. All of a sudden, all things fall into place. All of a sudden, we get bought air tickets to go to Europe. And you know what happens? I can miss all of the beauty in the valley when I'm focusing just on the thing in front of me. If I'm focusing just on finance. You know, there's an incredible scripture found in Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy says, uh, you can turn it quickly, Deuteronomy 31. And we know the scripture. But Deuteronomy 31 says, the word of God says, that I will, let me give it to you, Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says this, the Lord of God says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Now that's in the Old Testament. That's week, as I read about the valley of the shadow of death, and started to understand something, that in the midst of my trials and tribulation, in the midst of your trials and tribulation, in the midst of your hardship, you've come out better. You've come out stronger. You come out more confident in the things of God. Are some of us still joining? Yes. Some of us are only 10 minutes into the game. Some of us are 90 minutes into the game. We don't know where we are. But I want to say this to you, that if you can understand the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God, understand that He's never going to leave you, that He's never going to forsake you. Yes, you're going to go through hard times. Yes, you're going to go through difficult times. Yes, finance is going to fall short. Yes, you're going to have problems with relationship. But the thing is this, that if we do not understand what God is doing in a season or in our lives, we say He's leaving us. You see, so often, God, and, and hear me, I don't believe that God punishes anybody. I don't believe that God curses and brings disaster upon everyone. Because Romans 8.28 says that whatever the enemy brings in a sense, God is going to work for the good. Yeah. 
And so I've got to understand that when the attack comes, it comes from the enemy. And the problem is that the attack from the enemy will happen in two places. It will happen either in your mind or the people closest to you. And as a father, I think as moms and as grandparents sitting in the room, often we become so despondent because like whatever we do doesn't work. And I spoke about this last week, how often we fish in the shallows all the time and we want a different result. But when God says you need to go deeper, you cast your net on the other side, go deeper. That is where we battle. And the issue that I'm having in church right now is that, <clears throat> is that I feel that, that COVID just made us too comfortable. Thank you, what are you on the side? <laughs> but it's just made us too comfortable. It's almost like our relationship with God is just something we do. It's not who we are. You know, we don't even speak about revival anymore. We don't even speak about signs, wonders and miracles. We don't even speak about praying for the sick or having outreaches or having some form of evangelism. It's like the business of the church, the things we've done, all of a sudden we're just existing. We're just existing. We come to church, we listen to the pastor say a few words, we sing a couple of worship songs and please, I'm not worried with anybody. I found this man of, I found this man of, you know, that it just became so comfortable that I don't really have to go to church because I've got an option of a TV in front of me. And I just click on the thing and I go online and, you know, there I am. You know, I, I can miss all of this. I can miss the fellowship. I can miss what God is doing. And when we start to, you know, miss all of this and miss the fellowship and miss the encouragement, then all of a sudden we don't read the Word of God anymore. And all of a sudden we don't pray anymore. And then all of a sudden we don't talk to fellowship anymore. And all of a sudden we've got every excuse under the sun not to fall in love with Jesus. And I need to say this to you this morning. With every bit of love in you, you were made for a time such as this. But more than any more for times such as this, you were created to be in relationship with God. You see, when God and Jesus them spoke in the Garden of Eden, they, they said, come on, let's make man in our image and in our likeness so that we can have someone to fellowship with. And the Word of God says that, that Adam and Eve walked with God in the still of the night in the garden. Can, can you imagine? Can you just imagine that? Just imagine that. Just you and God. Just walking in the still of the light in the garden. I mean, just being able just to ask him these questions. It's like, hey God, you know, what's happening? You know, yeah, my business going through some stuff. You know, my wife's acting a bit weird, you know. I don't understand why this one's not falling pregnant, you know. I don't understand why this one's backing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine just having that, that, that conversation where we can share our hearts? You know, we pay people to do that. We go pay them without 600 and for 15 minutes as psychologists, you know. But that's what we do. But, but can you imagine just coming into that kind of an open relationship, just like where there's no judgment, where there's no criticism, where there's no anger, there's no hatred, there's no, it's just you and God. I mean, we don't even have a relationship with that with our wives. You know, I mean, I don't care who you say, there's certain things that we don't tell each other. You know, there's certain things we don't discuss. And not because we, we keep these secrets, because we also don't want to hurt each other. But can you imagine for this one moment having this open and honest conversation with someone that just loves you so much that there's no judgment, there's nothing, it's just you and him. 
you know, sitting around a fire and it, oh, you visualize, you know, it's the African uh, version of God of Egypt, you know. I'm sure God would never sitting by the fire. But, but just having that moment, having to just walk with him, and, just, and I long for those moments. I, I, I try to understand what it must be like just walking with God in the still of night, just walking in that moment and saying, hey dad, yo, empty day today, you know. Things didn't go the way I wanted to. And we think that that's unobtainable because we're preaching about a God that is out there and not a God that is here. We're preaching about the religious God, a religion that there's an order, there's a way, and there's a certain things that you need to do to get to God and all these kinds of things. And there is nothing, there is nothing that can stop you from getting into the presence of God. You know why? Because Jesus already did it all. He, he opened the door, He cleared the way. You have what's Lord, you can walk into the presence of God. You too can be in the still of the night. The problem is this, is that we constantly live under self-condemnation and condemnation from others. And we think that we're not worthy any longer to come into the presence of God. And so you know what we do then? Then all of a sudden we start to worship God from a distance. And all of a sudden it doesn't become our God, it becomes a God. I'll tell you something, uh, I want to be honest with you, I'm going to do something that I want to know. I'm still going to sort out you guys later. But what we have probably been through the toughest two years of our lives, but I've never grown as much in the last two years as what I have in the last two years, in my life in the last two years. I've never seen things so differently. I've never been so in love with my Jesus than what I am right now. Do you know what happened? That in the last two years, any bit of ability, thought, ambition, dream, desires that I thought could make happen, God showed me that I cannot. It's only Him. You know, I have to stop messing around in the shadows. Stop trying to fix this and soothe this and do this and do that and read 4,000 verses a day. I just had to come to the place where I came to the place where, God, you know something I realized? Whatever will be, will be. Because you're God. Because you're God. And you're not going to leave me. And you're not going to forsake me. You know what actually happened? I, let me be honest. I stopped fighting with God. I, I stopped telling him what it is that I needed him to do. Or what it is that I needed him to fix. Now there's a big thing that we can easily say, well God, you're in control. Whatever you decide, God, we're behind you. <laughs> That's a lie. It's the truth, but it's a lie. Because not many of us believe that. Not many of us can generally say, you know what God, in spite of where we are, in spite of my situation, in spite of my circumstances, in spite of where I am, I'm okay. And if I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, then you know what, I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If I'm going to be on the top of the mountain, then praise God, I'm going to be on top of the mountain. But it's not easy at times to say, you know what God, let your will be, be established in my life. Because we're going to go through hardship, we're going to go through trials, we're going to go through ups and downs, we're going to go through things that don't make sense to us at the end of the day. Psalm 62 verse 8 says this. It's, it's, uh, sorry, 16, 62 verse 6 says this. He is my rock and my salvation. Listen to this. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. <laughs> That's hectic, man. Eh? That's hectic, man. Eh? Imagine 
coming before God in the still of the night and saying, God, I just want to say one thing to you. You're my rock and you're my salvation and you're my defense. And I want to say to God, I will not be moved. That's a big statement. That's a massive statement. You see, verse 7 and says, In God is my salvation and my glory, my rock of strength, my refuge is in God. This is Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before Him. God is a refuge to all of us. And I found that. And I know it's difficult because, you know something, things happen. I mean, there's packed in, they broke into our house when was it? Monday? Sunday. There's the, the Williams in the back, they broke into the clear them up on Sunday while they were at church. They haven't even had some damage in his workshop. I'm not going to mention it. But it's crazy. It's crazy. We're going to go through this stuff. But I've got to say this to you. Remember what the Word of God says. That whatever the enemy takes from you, God is going to return to you 40, 60, or 100. We can't look at Job and what he went through. And Job had to face the death of his kids. He lost everything. He lost his cattle. He lost his herd. He lost his family. And all that the people wanted him to do was just deny God. That's all they wanted of Job. Job, will you, everything's going to be okay. But you've got to turn around and say, he's not God. And Job said, I don't care what I'm going through. He is God if I'm in the valley. He is God if I'm in the mountain. He is God if I'm at the bottom of the sea. He is God if I'm sitting in prison. He is God if I'm sitting in church. I will not deny it. And the word of God says that at the end, when Job had stood his ground, the word says that God returned to him ten times in what he had before. Now, and I'm telling you this, because there's a blessing awaiting you. There's a tenfold blessing awaiting you. But there's a secret. You have now got to stand your ground. God has to be God in your life. And not God, but He has to be Abba Father in your life. He has to be the God that will take you through the valleys. You'll be the God that beat your top of the mountains. You'll be the God that restores your marriage and restores your finances and restores your relationship. That is who He is. Even though, even though, Lord, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He turns around. And He goes and He says, And you are my rod and my staff. Let me just, let me just go back to Psalm 23 and I'm going to read the rest of it for you. You listen to this. He says, even though I walk through the valley, now just, just hear me here. Just picture this for a minute. Because David writes this thing in such a way that he says, Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou wilt know a rod and a staff, they comfort me. So he says, don't worry about God's goodness. But the next verse, David doesn't, uh, doesn't write about that God's going to come through for him. He says, now what God's going to do, and he says, and he says to him, and you prepare a table for me in the presence of my <coughs> Wait, let's get this. Let's just, for a minute, church, you've got to get this. Alright, who's been to a wedding? All of you, right, right. You know, the reception is the big thing. I mean, these brides, they go full hog. I mean, there's not even a place for the food on the tables because it's candles and crystals and <coughs> that table is so full of glitter and glass. Why? Because it's the big thing. But God says in the midst of all this chaos, 
It doesn't matter if you gave through divorce. It doesn't matter if you gave through bankruptcy. It doesn't matter if you gave into prison or gave out of prison. It doesn't matter what you're facing. The Word of God says that if you trust me, that if I am your refuge, that if I am your shepherd, He says that while the chaos is raging around you, now let me explain to you quickly, that why David writes the story is because what happened when king, two kingdoms used to fight against each other, alright, there were a few things that happened. That when the one army overthrew the other army, alright, what they would do is they would always want to take the king alive. And when they would take the king alive, what the king would do, then he would ride him on his white horse, this massive stallion, alright, and behind him, he would then drag the king that has been captured. And so he would publicly humiliate the king that he had just captured. Not only that, it allowed the common folk, the peasants, those who throw vegetables, all kinds of things, they would publicly humiliate the king. And then after that, they would actually cut off his thumbs that he could never hold a sword again, and they would cut off his big toe that he could never hold properly again. And then what they would do is they would then prepare a feast in the king that has been captured's room, in his, in his hall. And what happens with the king and all his leaders that would stand around the edge of the walls while the king that overthrew the old king would feast on their food in the midst of battle. So when David says, you prepare a table for me in the midst of those that I have overcome, that I have beaten, that you have beaten for me. This is not your fight. This is his fight. And he says that in the midst of this chaos, enjoy the meal. Enjoy, you know what? Even valleys have flowers. Even valleys have water. Even valleys have the most beautiful sight. Even valleys are the most beautiful place in the world. And he says that while you're going through your valley, why don't you just come and have a seat? And just allow me to present you with what I've prepared for you. Wow. Hey. In the presence of any, and he goes on and says, You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Let's go one step back. David's hiding in the cave. There are armies after him to kill him. There's a bounty on his head. Everything that he owned has been taken away. He's been on the run for two or three years. And David turns around and he says, and my cup runneth over. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? You know what the problem was? You know what the, what the, the secret to this was? Where David's focus was? You see, his focus could either be on Saul that wanted to kill him, or his God that he believed would save him. I need to ask you, where's your focus? Yeah. Is your focus on your problem? Or is your focus on your God? Is your business your focus? Or is God your focus? Is your marriage your focus? Or is God your focus? Because he says that even in the hardest times in my life, and I promise you, those of you that journey and see God's glory in your life, you will testify to this, that it doesn't matter how bad things were, our cup still ran over. Hallelujah. And then he says this, and listen to this, and then David writes, and I love this, because I'm not thinking about David, if I'm hiding in a cave and David's going to kill me, I'm not going to get a check anymore. You know what I'm saying? And then he says, I don't want to know my cup run over. There's lack of milk prepared for me. And then he goes, he says, should. What is should? Without a doubt, David says. Without a doubt, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house or in the presence of God forever. Yeah. 
Guys, we've got the coolest God in the world. Hey, and he's the only one that's alive. The rest of all got tombs. All the rest have got statues. I want to still alive. There's no, no statues, no tombs. And I want to leave this with you today. I want you to understand that you're going to go through stuff that you. You're going to feel invaded, Bernadine. You're going to feel like your world is falling apart. But you see, when you stand up and you dust yourself off and you look up, he's standing there. He's your corner guy. He's your corner guy. Oh, you can beat him to a pulp and you get the corner, you know those guys, they just put a bit of ice out of Vaseline on the eye, you know, and the guy looks like, I see when he comes up the corner He's our corner guy. Yes, you're going to get into battle. We've got a corner guy. We've got a cut guy in the corner that believes in us. I mean, I love those coaches, those, those, those boxing guys. I mean, the guy walks the corner, he's battered his blood over the place and he goes, you got this, you got this. Next round is yours, the guy can hardly walk. But that's what motivation does, we've got to get to that place. It doesn't matter how beaten, it doesn't matter how broken we are, it doesn't matter what we journeyed. We have a guy in the corner that believes in us. It doesn't matter how battered we are, it doesn't matter how bruised we are, it doesn't matter how swollen the eyes are. You know what? He is still going to root for you every single round. And then if you fall, guess what? Who carries you back to the club room? That guy. And he fixes you up and he gets you back in the ring and he prepares you for the next fight. Surely, David says, without a question, goodness and mercy shall and will follow me all the days of my life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You have to believe that. It doesn't matter what happens, you know. There's still going to be a melody and a product. But I mean, their house burned down four months ago, five months ago. Like, like burned down. Like, their house burned down. Like, they had their house got three times the size of this building. Now that was that big. But they had, they had everything. Hey? Everything. Bright areas, everything. It was beautiful. And it burned down. And the stress that they walked through in the last four years, four months, you know. Insurances, is it going to be approved? Who's going to build? Are they going to build? Terrible. You know what the coolest thing is? At the end of December, Melanie moves to a brand new house. Mm -hmm. Lock, stock, and barrel. God works all things for the good. Amen. The house was worth this much. Now that it's rebuilt, it's worth this much. You know, and then when we move to the new house, Melanie Tillman, and you walk in, you go, Surely, surely, goodness and mercy is following you all day as well. Yes, we went through the valley. Yes, we went through the hard times. Yes. We lost everything. But God will restore whatever the enemy is taking from you. Get that. Why? Right now, it's feast time. Right now, you need to understand something. It's your time for God to prepare a meal in the midst of your enemy. Stop fighting. Put down your sword. Put it away. Go sit down and allow God to serve you. He's very best. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we stand? I'm going to uh, just say to you guys this morning that if there's anybody that needs prayer, if anybody is going through a real a tough patch, you know, just let the elders, the elders be there for you. And, and, and you know, come to the front, there's a pray for you. If you're not feeling well, there's a pray for you. Um, but we serve a good God. And we serve a God that really loves you. And a God that's never going to give up on you. And in spite of what you've been through, He's always there by your side. Always. As a father, we 
prayed for every person that is battling with some kind of sickness right now. Father, every guy that has got to go for operations and, and all these kinds of things, those who are battling with flu and sinuses, you know, cancer. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would come in my this morning and you would cause such a healing in their bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that our hearts be turned this morning. I pray that our hearts be changed. I want to pray that as we walk out of this building this morning, may we truly understand that we are King's kids. May tomorrow morning as we wake up or tonight, as we have our quiet time, may we have that picture of just me and Dad sitting there having this conversation because we can, because there's no judgment from you but love, grace and mercy. And so, Father, grow us. Grow us not just to become believers but followers of Jesus. People that will preach your word. People that will speak life wherever they go. That we will be the light on the hill, the city, or a city on the hill that cannot be done. And so come Holy Spirit, I pray. Bless us, may your presence pour out upon us, and may you fill us with overflowing in Jesus' name. And I just want to